Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to start from verse 6. So we are continuing. This is part 7 of Colossians. Okay. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. And if you missed the first six part, I just encourage you to go ahead and just download it on podcasts or uh, video casts or whatever casts out there and also YouTube. Here, verse 6, Paul the Apostle said, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus. Now, let me ask this question. How many of you have received Christ Jesus as your Lord? Raise your hand. You received Christ Jesus. I just want to see if, if anybody hasn't. It's okay if you haven't. Just receive Christ Jesus. Receive Christ Jesus as your Lord. Now, Paul is talking to those who have received Christ Jesus as your Lord. So if you haven't, you can listen to it, but it won't apply to you unless you say, God, you know, I want to receive you as my Lord. So throughout the service, you can do that. You say, God, I want to receive you. I want to receive what this preacher is talking about. That is Christ in my heart. So here it is, verse 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, the established in faith. So how do we even do that? It's a very, very complicated thing, or at least we have made it complicated. So Paul is going to explain this, how it is you can walk in Him, how is it you can build up in Him, how is it you can establish in faith. And he also said, just as we taught you, abounding in thanksgiving. Everybody say thanksgiving. thanksgiving. Let, me, let, me t- let me tell you this. Thanksgiving is easy. You know, Canadians, we are known to be abounding in apologies. Yes? We say sorry about everything, even when it doesn't have anything to do with us. It's like, I'm so sorry the weather is so hot today. What? You control the temperature today, you know? Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, we, we, we apologize for about everything. And we even apologize that we are apologizing. <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm sorry. You know, it's like, what? So Canadians, we are such nice people. We are always a very, very apologetic. And so what Paul is saying is this, is that don't abound in apologies necessary, but abound in thanksgiving. Why? Because the society we live in is very cynical and very critical and on top of that we are very entitled especially sometimes you can find that in church believers sometimes they act like they're entitled to many things they'd be like well the church supposed to do that well they those christians supposed to do that and 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 then god supposed to do that you know so we 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 kind of confuse between the grace of god and also entitlement. You know, I've heard people say, they know you Christians are supposed to do that. So they're taking our faith in grace and then set an, uh, an expectation on us so that they can uh, receive something from us or, or they feel entitled of our kindness. Entitlement of our... So, so we're living in a generation where people feel entitled. What Paul would say is, no. We have to be abound with thanksgiving. Turn to your neighbor and say, abound in thanksgiving. You say, why, why do we do that? Because I just don't want you to sit there and look at me. Right? We got to be interactive and, and we got to just, just, just 
you know, work with me. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not here to, to, to make you laugh, you know, although I like to, you know. I'm not here, to, you know, we're here as brothers and sisters working with one another. Amen. So, so would you just be interactive, you know, and, and so, so share with your neighbors. Anyway, so abound with thanksgiving. So every single week, there are a lot of things to be thankful for. You know, some of you ought to be thankful for the hot weather we have. Some of you go, oh, I don't like hot weather. Well, thankful for the shade you're sitting in then. And the breeze that you and I feel. It's like, do you feel that? You know, this morning in the first service, you know, when the clouds were over, I say, oh, God, I thank you for the shades. What happened? The shades left. But, you know, I was standing there. I was worshiping the Lord, and I felt the breeze just blowing at me. Man, it was so good. You know, I just want to encourage you to be abound in Thanksgiving. Even in a little thing. I'll tell you this. If you are thankful even for the little thing, you will find yourself with incredible joy. I guarantee you that. There is such a joy that's going to overtake you. You could be in the worst you could have the worst day in your life, you know. People, you know, people cut you, cuss you, or you know, your your kids not listening to you, or or you know, you 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 just receive a big bill from the credit card company, you know. It's, you're not you're not having the best day in your life, but that if you are abounding with Thanksgiving, friends, I'll tell you this: you'll be so grateful. The people who are not thankful are the saddest people on earth. Have you ever met those sad people? very grouchy and very, very, just every little thing, you just set off some kind of anger. God doesn't want us to live like that. He wants us to be abound with thanksgiving. Okay, let's move on. So now, I, I said that Paul is going to explain to us how it is that we can walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in faith. Now, before we explain that, he's trying to tell us what it is not okay he's going to share with you what it is not right now paul is going to teach us before he tells us what it is he's going to tell us what it isn't so verse 8 if you have your bible it says see to it that no one takes you captive in our modern vernacular it means see to it that no one is making a fool of you are you here so believers, make sure nobody make a fool of you. Take you as for a fool. And what does he mean by that? Don't let people take you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. There's a lot of philosophies of all kinds out there, especially religious philosophies. And he'll later explain to you about the philosophies that is of man is not of God and oftentimes being confused as God's philosophy. So philosophy and empty deceits, meaning that they give you empty promises. You know, in religion, we are good at that. We give people promises. I say religion, I mean Islam, Christianity, you know, Catholicism, Christianity. Yes, there are many Christian religious people too. And you can identify them by them telling you a bunch of rules you have to observe. And we'll get to that later on in this chapter. But philosophies, and they give you empty promises. You know, there's some religion promise you seven virgin for the guys. I don't know what they promise for the girls. 
I did, you know what I mean? They promise the guy seven virgins, but they don't promise the girls nothing. You guys probably sitting there like, what am I, chopped liver, you know? But anyways, they can promise the world. I could do that. I could say, if you give me a million dollars, each of you, I'll guarantee you when you go into your afterlife, you will have ten mansions. I could do that. If you're foolish enough to believe me, if I'm persuasive enough as a charismatic leader, whatever, right? Why can't I? The reason I can do that is because you can't come back and claim for refund. When you're gone, you can't come back and say, hey, hey, it didn't work. And they know that. So religions always give you empty promise. It's, that's what Paul was saying, you know, uh, 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 empty deceits, empty lies, hollow. What we're believing in God for should not be hollow. It ought to work. Are you here this morning? It has to work. Because if it doesn't work, then you and I, you and I have reason to question it, right? So um, this empty deceit is according to what? Number one, human tradition. Number two, elemental spirits of the world. You know, we human, we love tradition. We love tradition of all sorts because it's familiar, it's comfortable. And we love familiarity because it's comfortable. You know, they're saying that some of those, uh, uh, a lot of the uh, uh, women who had been uh, in an abusive home, you know, they get rescued and they will run back to the abusive husband. In spite of the fact that they get pain, they still run back to the abusive husband. Why? Because it's familiar. They would rather suffer the pain. They rather suffer the pain to, to stay in the familiarity than to venture out to the unfamiliar and avoid the pain. That's human nature. And that's why religions are very successful in propagating traditions. Many of us have been to churches, you know, come from churches and come from come from institutions or religious institutions that have all sorts of tradition that they built up. And we're very familiar and very comfortable with it. And many of us have a hard time leaving it because it's very comfortable. And becoming a Christian, as many of you become born again, you are brave ones because you're willing and one of the very few in this planet to step out of, that step out of the familiar and step into the unfamiliar. But I want you to be careful. When you become a believer, many often people have been deceived by religious people within the church, which Paul called them false brethren, to superimpose again new religions, new rules. You see, they will tell you that these traditions and these rules are necessary so that you can get more from God. You can earn more favor. You can get more blessings from the Lord. Have you heard that before? You said, you're not preaching that? No. What I'm preaching and what the Bible is preaching is that He has given you everything. And what you're doing every here on Sunday, every single Sunday, is not to, to get more favor from the Lord. Can I go through here? Look at that. You're not here to get more favor from the Lord. You're here to learn how to harness 
and use what has been given you already. Let me give you an example. You know, I don't know who my daughter is, but I'm going to use her as an example anyways. So my daughter has been given a car a year ago. She can't drive it. It's sitting in the, sitting in the garage. She can't touch it. Why? Because she has no license. She's part of this millennial generation that don't care much about having a car. Most millennials are like, ah, I take a TTC, environmentally friendly, whatever. So she has a car. She can't drive it. Many Christians have the grace of God and all the blessings of God. And they are like, they can't use it. And somebody told them, whisper into the ears, religion. Hey, the only way that you can really use it is to observe religious rules so that God can be happy with you and then he'll let you use it. Well, that's the wrong lane. That's the wrong lane. It's almost like somebody's trying to convince Kristen. Kristen, you know, you need to please your daddy. You need to, you, you know, so that you can use your car. Pleasing me will not allow her any more ability to use the car. Pleasing me will not allow her any more privilege to use the car because I've given, we've given her the car. What she needs to do is to go and get her license. When you're here on Sunday, I'm not teaching you how to get more from God because He's given you everything. Everybody say everything. For those of you sitting way at the back, go, come on, talk back to me. Say everything. He's given you everything. You can't get any more from Him. What you want to do is to learn how to use the everything He'd given you. To trying to please God is to go down on the wrong channel, go down the wrong path like a rabbit hole that have no ending with no results. And we've tried it for centuries and millennials. It hasn't worked. So what we believe has to be true. So our beliefs, being rooted in Him, walking in Him, built up in Him, establishing faith, is not by the philosophy and the empty deceits of man, human traditions, according to the elemental spirits of the world. Elemental spirits means the beginning, the very basic. So the elemental spirit of the world means the, tr the things that started the whole thing. So when God first met man, when we had the encounter with man through Moses, the first thing he did was using laws and, laws and, and the Ten Commandments and so forth. Those are the elemental. We are no longer there. The Bible says that humanity had come to the place of maturity, why not of our own work, but by the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. We are no longer children, the Bible says. Why? Because of what we've done? No, because of what Jesus has done. So we don't need to go back to the basic elemental spirits. Try to, try to observe rules and, and, and be fearful and so forth. Verse 9. Watch this. Oh, no, no. Uh, back to verse 8. Okay, human tradition according to elements of the world, not according to Christ. And we want to talk to you about what according to Christ. For in Him, the fullness, in Jesus, the fullness of deity dwells bodily. In other words, in Jesus, 
all the God there is can be found. There is a double emphasis here, whole and fullness. If we would use full, you know, in Christ, the fullness of deity dwells, that would have been enough. And yet he went in Christ, the whole fullness, which means double emphasis. In other words, you can't get more God outside Jesus. Are you here this morning? You can't get, you know, the other, yesterday my wife and I were watching YouTube, you know, that's what couples do, right? Praise the Lord. And we watch YouTube on some comedy. And this comedy is really funny, you know. But, you know, he, he's, he's a, he sounds like he's a Christian. And uh, we like about him because he doesn't, you know, all this comedian this day using a lot of swearing words, you know. It's just, just really, ill, right? But this guy's clean, you know. But, you know, he, he mentioned about Jesus um, uh, uh, multiplying food. And uh, he was making a joke. He said, maybe Jesus doesn't even know how the food come about, you know. And uh, whatever bread that he, he multiplied, he might multiply in, in, in the type of bread that he wasn't asking for, like pumpernickel or whatever, right? But he said, you know, and then he went, well, Jesus probably would be like, oh, he's really not my fault. You need to talk to the big guys upstairs. It gives us the image that Jesus is still dependent as a, as a God of of, of another God that is bigger. And we spoke about that a number of weeks ago, right? But Jesus, the Bible says, dwell the full, whole fullness of deity. You can't go more than Jesus. Anyways, so if you want to pursue anything about God, you pursue Jesus, right? And then that, and that verse 10, which is really amazing, it says you have been filled in Him. Everybody say filled in Him. Well, when it says, so when Jesus is full of God and you're filled in Him, what more do you need? There's nothing else to give from heaven. Nothing. The only thing you need to find out is how to harness what has been given to you. Now, let's move on. If Jesus has the full fullness of God dwells in Him, and you're filled with him and in him, what's the limitation? Why chasing all other theories? Why not just chase Jesus? Why? Because he's the one who is the head of all rule and authority. Now let me set up a background here a little bit. You know, the, uh, the, the audience that Paul is addressing to is the audience of the church in the New Testament church, the, the early church is that in the early church, many Christians had come to know Jesus. And then later on, Paul says some false brethren would come in and convince them that knowing Jesus is not enough, you need to observe Jewish rules and tradition. And so that's what Paul was fighting. And not only in Colossae, but in Galatia, in different parts, in Corinth, you know, in different parts. And not only Paul, but Peter and John, they were fighting the same spirit. Perpetuating, perpetuating lies about you need to observe certain traditions, okay? So now, these people come in and say, well, not only you need to observe the tradition of man, and we're going to talk more about that later on, but you need to get circumcised. See, that's, 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 the, that's the rabbit hole. If you start to observe the Mosaic law or rules, and you want to keep going and improve you're going to be more and more extreme. 
at the end you'll be bound by rules and that you'll be bound you know our faith is not rule based our faith is grace based but many of the church institutions have converted our faith to become rule based to earn extra favor from the lord and that's why it has not worked for most people and today people are falling away from their faith because they are smart they're saying i pray nothing worked i did a little blog you know a few years ago i said i stopped praying because you know when we prayed most christians our chances of getting prayer answer is less than chance less than 50 percent that's terrible just do a survey for your own prayer how many things did you pray and how many things that it worked how many times right if it's not working you and I need to ask some tough questions what what's wrong right and you say what's the answer well go check out my blog well the summary is that I will only pray in the will of the Father because that's what Jesus did that's how he taught us pray in the will of the Father and it will work hundred percent of the time Jesus prayer always work men's prayer 30 percent 20% and we go, oh, praise the Lord. What happened to the 70%? Right? Well, anyways. So anyways, here Paul is talking to the church, right? Who had been convinced that they need to observe rules. And one of the rules was circumcision. Verse 11. In him you also, in him also you were circumcised with circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Right? Shedding off the layer outside. Putting off the body of flesh. Now here, Paul realized that there are people that were doing circumcision. You know, in our church, we had a history. Now We have been around for 20 years. And at one time, there were two groups of people left this church. It was my fault, actually, because uh, I invited some rabbi to come in and begin to share about, you know, seders and all the Jewish thing, you know. And, and I know this quite popular among Christendom. And so they start, he started talking about the rules they observe and, you know, the things that they do and and many people advocate, and I was one of them too, and is that, you know, the Christianity is actually the extension of Judaism, you know, and therefore we need to observe all the rules. And, but if you read the Bible, that's not true. But anyways, these people, they were really sincere, and they really love God. And so they said, well, we need to take it to the next level. So one group, uh, it's a Filipino group, they left, and they form a group that they would meet 12 hours a day on Saturday. And another group, it's a Russian group. They left and they have a gathering just down the street somewhere, you know. I won't tell them where they are, but down the street. And, and you know, they're telling people, if you're not circumcised, you cannot be part of this congregation. And so I know one, one, one fellow, he, he's almost 40 years old, and he got himself circumcised. There's no ending to observing rules if you want to go down to that road. In fact, G, G, Paul the Apostle said it as much. Is that if you want to observe rules, you'd better be ready to observe all of them. Because if you violate one, it would mean that you violate all of them anyway. So why bother? So instead of rule-based and tradition-based, our faith is based on Jesus Christ. 
Right? So he said, having been buried, you know, you, you have been circumcised not with the hands of flesh, but you've been buried with him in baptism. That's why water baptism is very important. Right? You want to bear with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power, powerful working of God. Do you know what it says here? All you need is to have the faith in the working power of Christ. If you have that, it means you have literally been raised from the dead with Christ. All you have, all you need is the power to, all you need is the faith, sorry, to believe in the working power of God. That's all you need. You don't need to pay anything, do anything, just the faith to believe. Just say, yep, I do believe. I believe in the working power of God. That will give you enough power to be resurrected, to be born again, in other words. And um, you who were dead in your trespasses, verse 13, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. So, in other words, he said that God already made you alive without circumcision. Why are you still seeking circumcision, in other words? Verse 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us and with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So what he's saying is this. There are a lot of legal demands in the old ways of believing in God. But Jesus had forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with this legal demand. This, the legal demands, he set aside, nailing it to the cross. You, you said, well, that he talks about sin. Well, he already forgiven your sin. But what he nailed on the cross is the legal demands that cause you to sin. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. How? You know how a rulers and authority works? Using laws, fears, regulations. Think about that. That's how ruler works, right? That's how authorities work is rule and law. He's nailing it to the cross. So now he's disarming rulers, meaning the devil, who is using rules and laws to cause condemnation, guilt, and fear so that you would observe everything with fear. And you know, fear doesn't bring results. Faith does. And that's why most Christians don't see results because they live in fear. Fear that God will not be pleased with them. Fear that the pastor will not be pleased with them. You know, fear that, you know, uh, fear this and fear that. But the Bible says God has disarmed the legal demands that has been set against you. Then you don't have to live in fear. And you can have triumph. You know, when I was a teenager, you heard the story. I was struggling with certain things in my life. And you know, you go to church every Sunday morning. And you feel guilty. You feel condemned. And every Sunday, I promised God I would change. And Monday usually is good because I... Stuck with the promise. By Wednesday, I lost it. Week after week, feeling guilty and condemned every Sunday. 
couldn't get any victory in my life. If you ever, ever won victory over sin, over habits, victory in your finances, victory over in your health, you want to run away from fear, condemnation, and guilt as far as possible because those will not help you. The only thing that will help you is outside fear, outside rules, outside traditions, but faith in His grace. You and I come every Sunday morning is not trying to earn some sort of stripes. We don't take attendance in this church because God doesn't take attendance. Are you here this morning? Some of you probably feel like I don't care because you haven't been in church for weeks and weeks and weeks and you haven't got a call. I'll tell you why I haven't called. Unless there's an emergency or health reason, then I'll get involved. The reason I don't is because people feel like, you know, we are on to them or we're trying to force them to come. I'll never force people to come to church. It has to be your desire. And we come is not to please God. You don't have to be here. We come is to learn how to harness, take advantage, and exercise all the blessings that He's given us. One of them we talked about this morning is that if you want to exercise those blessing, blessings, you get rid of those religious fear, guilt, and condemnation. That's the first steps. Once you get over with that, boy, I tell you, 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 you can access to some amazing blessings of God. You'll feel so free. You all of a sudden find yourself having victory over things that you couldn't have victory over. And you, all of a sudden you, can, you, you feel like, you know, you can beat the devil. Not because you observe the rules, because he had given you the grace to become an overcomer. Would you please stand with me this morning?